Tigers will love that. Download our app today and enjoy tackle-busting benefits with great odds, more markets, and same-game multi every NRL match at Palmer Bed. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Hello and welcome to episode 388 of Ferg on the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRLP. And join me as always is a glorious League Freak. You can also find on Twitter at League Freak. How are you going there, mate? Going very well, Andrew, the real deal Ferguson. How are you? Ah, uh, smooth. Smooth? Why smooth? Just using a different word. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. I like it smooth. Um, <laughs> so... Has a fair bit happened on the weekend. It was a really good round of footy, hey? No. <laughs> I thought it was good. Why didn't you think it was good? So here's the problem as a West Tigers fan. Okay. Is going through a West Tigers game, especially mm-hmm. when they lose, but this doesn't also mean that winning makes things any better. Yes. But especially when they lose. It drains so much love and passion you have for rugby league out of your body. It gets hard to get motivated to watch anything else that's anything to do with rugby league after that. And this is why I hate having West Tigers games as one of the first three games of the round. Because mm-hmm. I've got a whole weekend to look forward to, but the Tigers have already fucked it for me. I get that. It can yeah. ruin your Friday night when at 6pm you've got to watch them just flame out and fuck up against the Warriors. Um there was a little bit of drama that apparently happened in that game. Do you want me to take you through what is supposed to have happened? Please do. Please do. Allegedly. Okay. Allegedly. Okay. So uh, one of the gas baggers on 2GB, a well-known gas bagger, we won't name them because probably want his name out there. But exactly. let's just let's just say he likes to pretend to laugh exactly like his boss laughs. <laughs> um, he read out an email on air from a listener, an alleged email on air from a listener. An alleged, that alleged listener? Uh, yeah, an alleged listener. That, uh, Be another one of his burners. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> um, about an alleged incident that involved Robbie Farrow, who is, of course, a trainer for your West Tigers. And here's what the email said, and this is what the quotes were from the alleged uh, person on the radio. On Friday night, I was sitting in the Western Grandstand behind the players on the interchange bench. In the closing stages of the game, with the match on the line, Robbie Farrell was venting abuse loudly about team decisions to players. There was, an inter- there was an interchange, and he told the player coming off, and I quote, Don't complain to me. It was that fucking cunt up there, pointing to the coach's box. The F and C words, he means fucking cunt, from Robbie were incredible, and all in front of a shocked crowd. It got so bad, Nathan Kalis, our defence coach, you have a defence coach? Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, fuck. What was, what was he doing? Um, had he, was some... looking at, he was looking at defence. Yeah. <laughs> he was fixing defence. He was. Um, he gave it a nice coat of paint. Looks brilliant. He slapped the back of it and said, that'll do. Um, yeah. Our defence coach had to summon Robbie over and tell him to calm down. So that's the alleged email. Now, Robbie Farrow tweeted about this, okay? Mm. And Robbie Farrow's tweets, I don't follow Robbie Farrow. I think I did once upon a time, but this alleged um, uh, laugh copier 
on the radio. He sends a message to Robbie Farah, and Robbie Farah posted it all on his on his uh, Twitter feed. You can go and see Robbie Farah. It's at Robbie Farah, no space on Twitter. And he says, hey, Robbie, I hope you're well. I got a heap of Tigers fans contacting the show saying you were quite animated on the sideline in the closing stages of the game on Friday night, pointing up to the coach's box and being pretty abusive about the decisions made by the coach. I didn't want to mention it today without reaching out to you to see if you wanted to respond. Let me know. Cheers. Because I don't say his name. He said, Robbie Farrar in reply said, Hi, mate. Ha ha. Jeez. When you're losing, people try to pick at anything. Only thing I can think of is I was blowing up at one of our staff on the sideline because there was a communications breakdown about an interchange I was supposed to make. Nothing whatsoever to do with coaches. Appreciate you reaching out, mate. And the uh-uh said, thanks, mate. Tigers are an easy, easy punching bag at the moment. And then Robbie said, yep, it's a circus ATM. I'm guessing that's at the moment. No, that's an automatic teller machine. Well, it's either that or, you know, if you put ATM into uh, Pornhub, it's something completely different. And then Wat said, I feel for you, blokes, chin up. And then Robbie said, winning a couple of games will help. Yeah, good luck now, with that. Yeah, yeah. Now, yeah, a couple of games. What he's talking about the entire season's total. Now, two. now, after the article come out from the uh, overall overreaching uh, corporate media machine to make something out of nothing. Robbie Farah posted this um, communication that he had with Wawa. Mm-hmm. And he said, laughable how the media can make a story from nothing. In the words of Wawa, coaches are an easy punching bag at the moment. He was true to his word. I'm Madge's one number one fan. Going to have to try harder than that to tear us apart. Nothing to see here. So I thought that was interesting. Um, look, I, I don't care if Robbie Farris said that. I think if you're part of this West Tigers anything and you're not fucking pissed off and angry, you're probably the CEO who doesn't give a shit because his job's never under threat. But outside of that, you've, you're an idiot. You've got a problem. So if yeah. Robbie Farris was blowing up, no problems with it. He probably shouldn't have said if he did say that about the coach. I would be shocked yeah. if he did. I don't think I'm, he probably did. But fast. You know what? At the end of the day, we now know that there are two people in the club who are passionate and they want this club to be successful and they hate losing. And unfortunately, neither of those two people are on the field. Yeah. And that's the coach and Farrah. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, agree. <sighs> I agree. And look, I, I can see in the heat of battle, like I know when we have the interns and they'll say like, oh, you know, here's your beer, Mr. Freak. And um, there's obviously a, a thing of monster energy drink here. And I say, oh, it's, that's for that fucking cunt in there, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I say it as a term of endearment about you, Andrew. I'm not that's saying right. it in a bad way, you I know. I, I don't get offended. You don't see me whinging to some fat slob on radio about it. Exactly. Exactly. We're all adults here. Exactly yeah. right. And, and they're in a charge environment, so it's a non-event. Um, but anyway, that came out of the weekend. I thought that that was interesting to bring up just because it's like, God damn, the media will make a, any fucking story at the moment. I think this is the thing, too, is um, 
what we've found with the media, uh, especially in the last 10 years, when they've gone from um, atrocious to fucking deplorable, mm-hmm. is they are degrade journos at absolute best. And the only time they can come up with any form of story is when they pick at low-hanging fruit. Yeah. And the easiest low-hanging fruit is the team that's coming last. Simple as that. So that's what they do. How many times did you used to see all sorts of articles about the Knights or about the Eels or the Bulldogs, fucking drama they went through? Um, well, there, there was one, because Fox Sports, they don't know really what they're doing with their on-air talent. And they've got some good people there, like Jake Duke. He's very, I think he's the best sideline eye at the moment. He really tells you something about what's going on in the game. But then there was a another one that they've got doing the sideline this year, and I'll only describing as glug lug and glug lug 17 minutes into the game today between the uh what game was it i think it was the seagulls versus bulldogs glug lug was telling us about changes that were made on tuesday and about who was going to play in this game it's like dude the game's been gone for 17 years like what the <laughs> fuck are you going on about glug lug have another one was, was this the same clown who was told to go and get a conversation with one of the travoyvich brothers at full time and he didn't know where to. He didn't know where to go. I be, I barely saw that as I read out the color of, corner of my eye, but uh, that would be the one. I got the impression that he didn't know who he's going. Who's he talking about? Yeah, yeah. I don't know who that is. So he's, he's probably looking for a car park. Yeah. Well, at least the uh, <laughs> no, no, Andrew, you can't <laughs> lead me down these garden paths. You know better. where I was going. You know where yeah. I was going. I know. I know. <clears throat> Um, yeah, that's, I suppose that's all the off-field stuff so far. Was there anything else? Much. Well, the only other thing is, and I mentioned it during the uh, Manly Seagulls game, because they opened a brand new stand at the North End, and it's part of this uh, Centre of Excellence. Looks like a nice little stand. It it looked like, uh, and it looked like it was, a lot of people were in there for the game too, which was good because it rained a lot, and it had a nice uh, covered area underneath it. But I I know for a fact that there was a North Sydney jersey that was buried underneath that stand. <laughs> now, it is in the northeastern side of that stand, and it wasn't buried there as a fun gesture. It was buried there and cursed. There was some curse. There was a curse said while it was put into the ground. And it was specifically put there by a North Sydney Bears fan to curse not only Brookvale Oval, but the North, the, I was going to call them Northern Eagles, the Manly Sea Eagles for all time, as long as that jersey is there. Um, I was told about it. I did not do this. I thought it was a step too far. But needless to say, that jersey is there right now. And people need to know about it. It needs to be made public that there is a North Sydney Bears jersey underneath the brand new stand at Brookvale Oval. Would you say that that is more or less toxic than asbestos? Well, you've got to wonder what effect asbestos will have on the wool of that jersey. Because, I mean, it's a North Sydney jersey. It's not a modern jersey. So I would guess that it will either preserve it impeccably and when that stand gets eventually torn down when either the seagulls move or they move into a more modern facility in the next you know three or four years i would say that we will find out Mm. 
we'll, we'll find out the effects. But, you know, it, the curse has been placed upon Brookvale Oval and it's going to be there until that jersey is removed. And, look, I don't know specifically where it is, but I know it's in the northeastern part of the stand underneath it, though, in the, in the um, like, underneath the base of it. I mean, you're basically doing community service now. I am. Well, when I was told about it, I was like, that's pretty funny. And the person was like, it wasn't meant to be. This is pretty serious. And I was like, oh, geez, that's it's pretty rough. And they were telling me that they uh, they looked up, like, how to place a curse on an, an arena or a venue or a house or something when they did it. And I was like, man, isn't this a bit over the top? And they're like, no, no, it is not. So I, I think it was too far. I think it's a step too far. But people need to know about the curse of the North Sydney Bears jersey on Brookvale Oval. Yeah, I assume this means that um, there's going to be, you know, bring a shovel day to the Possibly. next Broncos home, uh, sorry, Seagulls home game there at Brookie, and uh, everyone can just start digging up the the stand it's and possible. try and find that uh, that cursed item underneath it. Look, I know that there were people that were on the, uh, I think it's the Eastern Hill at the stadium because the East is still just a hill. Um, and they were saying that the grass there's dead and that there was actually grass clippings just placed on the hill. So it looks like there's grass, but it was just grass clippings. <laughs> and it's, I mean, the ground's sour. It just is. <laughs> so, we know that. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, that's something that, is going to be placed on that stadium for until we find out where that, that, um, that's, that's that really nasty actually is. It really is. It really is. I wouldn't have done that. No, uh, that's I, that's I, going I, too far. Yeah, I agree. And, and they said to me, like, they don't believe it's going too far. I, I said the same thing to them, Andrew, because it's, uh, placing curses on things isn't my sort of thing, but no, no that, that's, that's rough, man. That's yeah. Rough. Yeah. So somebody has done something very bad at Brookvale Oval, and I think that it needs to be known about. Oh, there you go. Um, can I tell you about one of the most Parramatta things that happened to Parramatta today? You can tell me that. Okay. Um, this is not for the listeners, by the way. Okay. This is just you and me chatting about this. Oh, yeah, that's fine. Okay. In the um, the women's NRL, NRLW competition, yep. they had their final round before the finals this week, uh, you know, today. Mm-hmm. Okay, there's six teams. The mm-hmm. top four go to the final. So only two teams miss out. Mm-hmm. The Knights, they're already gone. They're at last. They haven't won a game. Then there's this three-way battle between Parramatta, Titans, and Roosters. And they're placed in that order. Parramatta's third, Titans fourth, Roosters fifth. And they're all fighting it out, essentially, for the last two places in the finals. Mm-hmm. Parramatta's got a points difference of zero. The Titans, minus six. The Roosters, minus nine. Now, the Roosters failed to win their game, so they were sitting at fifth no matter what. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> the Eels looked all set. Like, all they needed was for, you know, to stay within 10 points of the Broncos today. Or, sorry, eight points of the Broncos today. Yeah. And the points difference would be minus eight, but they'd stay in the finals, race. And uh, they lost by 30, and they ended up finishing fifth. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and the Roosters at minus nine with just four points moved up into fourth place and made the finals. Wow. So th- the Eels in the women's Eels team choked. Yeah. Wow. That's a shocker. I didn't see the game, hey, because 
Um, oh, the, was... the Broncos were on fire, man. Last week, yeah. the Broncos, um, they got beat by the Titans, and that Titans team was unbelievable with their second-half performance to come back and get that win. Mm-hmm. And the Broncos looked like they came out today, and they wanted to make a statement. That, you know what? That shit was a blip on the radar. We're here to fuck everyone up. And they went out and did exactly that to the Eels. They destroyed them, man. The, uh, I know that there's a, a little bit of surprise by how the Dragons are going in that competition. The Dragons look pretty good. It seems like it's going to be Dragons versus Broncos at oh, yeah. this stage in the grand final. But um, it, it's it's interesting. By the way, I'm trying to set up an interview with the Dragons player, NRLW player. Lovely. Um, so we'll see how that goes. But, uh, yeah, that's I mean, that's a rough one, going from third to out of the finals. In one loss. Yeah. yeah. It's harsh. That really is harsh. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> but there we go. Um, tell you what, though, the, the quality of the, the NRLW um, hasn't taken – hasn't really taken any sort of a hit this year despite two new teams coming in. Yeah. Um, so it's funny because you often hear some dickheads in the media who – condemn expansion because it's going to dilute the, the quality in the talent pool. And um, Travis, what's his name from the Korean mail? Mm-hmm. All we know is he's trying to be Pete Bedell and Pete Bedell is just a, a shitty younger version of Paul Crawley. Mm-hmm. Um, they're all just shit. But um, Travis, what's his name? He's not important. He thinks he is, but he's not. Um he used the poor quality of performance between the Tigers and the Warriors. And, look, it was a poor game, but it's also worth noting that both teams had quite a few injuries coming into the game and during the game. Yeah. Um, so you're not going to get top-class <clears throat> performance from them anyway. It's going to be worse than what you'd probably expect Yeah. because of that. But he used that as an excuse as to why expansion to, you know, having a 17th team in the comp is going to be detrimental to the quality of the game. And I thought... You fucking uneducated, stupid bastard. Yeah, look, we've got, in the NRL, we have 15 quality clubs at the moment. Um, And I think you saw that this round. There were some unpredictable results this round. I mean, the Cowboys, who you and me picked to be last place, they played really well and they beat the Broncos. They beat the fuck out of the Broncos today and looked great doing it. Like, they didn't stumbled into a win they really beat the broncos and the bulldogs have been playing pretty well considering uh the titans have been playing well the knights have struggled the storm have had their moments the rabbitos have struggled the roosters have struggled at times there's really only one team that's looked terrible from from the very start right through three rounds and so to say that we haven't got the talent is just silly to say that we can't expand the competition is silly. Um, you know, we've got enough talent in the in the NRL and the NRL lower grades to have a couple of teams. And we're going to have a couple of teams within the next five years. You know, they're, they're bringing in that Dolphins side next year. And the year after, in, in the, I reckon we'll have another team, uh, an 18th team by 2025. I reckon it'll be pretty soon. So oh, I agree. I, there's, um, I, I don't think the NRL or... More importantly, the networks who pay big money to broadcast the game are keen on having an odd number of teams. Mm. Um, you know, there's only been, 
from memory, 24 of the, what was the 115th season we're in now, 114, something like that. Only 24 of those seasons have actually contained an odd number of teams. Mm. Um, and it'd be less than a dozen of them have happened since, like, World War Two. Yeah. Most of those would have been, yeah, prior, prior to World War Two starting. So it shows you that an odd number of teams is not something that they want for very long. Um, well, it's a wasted game. It's like a wasted team that, especially when you're playing, that paying them under the salary cap era, you're paying them whether they play or not. It's just a waste of money having a, a whole team sitting on the sideline every week, which is what happens when you've got an odd number of teams. And let's be honest, no one likes it as a fan when their team has to buy. Yeah, it sucks. You know, that means I'm not watching football this weekend. Mm-hmm. That's that's at least 75% of the people who watch the game because most of them just watch their team play and nothing else. Yeah. So it's, uh, you know, you want to try and avoid that. That's the main thing. And besides, if you, as you said, like if you can get another team in there, then that means you've got an extra game on every weekend. Now, you wrote an article recently about expanding the competition. Do you want to go into that article? Yeah, we can go into that. So this is this will be in the um, the next Rugby League Review magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a there's a few contenders who are always going to come up. These now these aren't official contenders. Well, I'm just looking at the ones who and the areas that constantly get brought up and are most likely going to be the ones you know in the running this time around. Mm-hmm. So obviously, we've got to start with the Bears. Um, at the end of the day. There's no chance that we're bringing another team into Sydney, even if it's across the harbour. It's just not going to happen. Sydney's oversaturated. There will be no more teams in Sydney, which means the only option they've got is their Central Coast option. Mm-hmm. And while while there is some potential there, obviously they've got a stadium that gets used a fair bit, so we know it's NRL quality. But an old stadium now. It, well, it's not it's as old a- as Leichhardt Oval. That, that's true. That's true. <laughs> and that still gets used. But, but I would, I would but say it, it's, it's still it's still being used. It's still serviceable. It's serviceable, but it is it is definitely an old venue now. It is I I would say it's not up to standard to NRL football really. I, I think that I would bet that the media facilities need updated. I, I would bet that the corporate facilities need updated, and it's a small stadium as well. Like I think it only holds about twenty thousand. I think, though, the biggest issue that the Central Coast is going to have is not with anything to do with um, location, support base, junior networks, even the venue. It's going to be the fact that TV networks are not going to be interested in this because they don't get a different time zone. And it's yeah, not going to be it's not going to be getting more eyes on the game. The people in the Central Coast are probably already watching the game. So putting a team there is not going to make more people watch it. Yeah, and that, the other thing is, too, you've got the Central Coast Mariners who barely get by on much lower budgets. There's no corporate base up there. If you've ever been up in that area of the world, it is a rabbit warren of roads that are around mountain ranges. It's a really terrible place to get around. And uh, at, up north, you've got the Newcastle Knights who also don't do great in terms of corporate support. And then not too far down south, you've got a privately owned team in the Manly Seagulls who also don't do great for corporate sport and now have a curse on them as well. So it, there's... Let's not forget the curse. Yeah, so there's at least two NRL clubs currently that do not want another team that close to them that will be siphoning off not only talent but corporate sport from them. Um, and it's just... it. it 
look, once upon a time, it kind of made sense. But in 2022, it makes zero sense to put a team there. Um, look, the, I was thinking about this while I was watching the West Tigers on the week on, on uh, Friday night or Friday evening, I should say. They're so uncommitted to Campbelltown. Could you start a brand new team in the MacArthur area just completely from scratch? Call it whatever you want there. I don't know. MacArthur Magpies. Oh, no, not Magpies, because that's that's part of that club. But they're, they're dead. The, Macar- the MacArthur Mountain Lions, let's say, right? I was going to say, call them the Far West Frogs. Let's call them the Far West Frogs then, okay? Yep. They play out of the MacArthur area. They'll, they get a little stadium built for them, a brand new stadium, you know, tied into all of the infrastructure, as we've talked about. Say to the West Tigers, look, you want to be in Concord, you want Balmain, you've got it, but you've got to give up that entire MacArthur region. What do you think happens? <laughs> the West Tigers go, give up what? <laughs> <laughs> we own a what now? <laughs> Who, where? MacArthur? There's no MacArthur that plays for us. Um, yes, it, it would work. Yes. Um, the The big problem is the West Tigers as a brand, very, very easy to market to kids. It is. It is. And if you if you left the West Tigers to be another in a Western team, they'll die. I know. Straight away. And but do they know that? Of course they don't. They, exactly. The, what the, the fuck are they doing at Concord? The Spud seems to think that, you know, he's, he's on a bloody, he's, he's running a mining organisation. He's sitting there going, there's just BHP and me. Yeah. <laughs> But isn't that weird that you could you could do that? You could start a brand new club in the MacArthur area, and they would have all of those like they they'd have all of the stuff you would want from a club. The only club that probably would have a bit more would be the Panthers. And look, they're the premiers; like they should have a bit more. But they would have all of the advantages you could want, and they'd be in in the Sydney region. And the West Tigers could have all that, and they don't want it. And so I reckon go to the West Tigers and say, hey. You don't want it, be Balmain again, whatever you want. You can be that inner West club you think you are, and they would be signing their own death knell because they would be moved within five years. Oh, Parramatta would swamp them. Yeah, yeah. They'd swamp that area and take it all. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. I still wouldn't be shocked if the Bulldogs, if they got funding for a stadium down there, said, fuck the West Tigers, let us have that area and we will move down towards that area. Oh, I would not be surprised if the Bulldogs said, you know, we want a new stadium that's separate from everything else, mm. and we want it at Liverpool. Mm. They didn't get a green light. They'd go there. They would wipe the Tigers out. Yeah, and and that would be all over for the West Tigers too. Yeah. That it yeah. would. You know what it would be? It would be basically they'd be back in the position that Balmain were in when they were about to die. And they, but the thing is, the West Tigers wouldn't even realise it. No, that's right. I mean, we'll look. It's worth noting too that when Balmain were in that position, and they weren't in that position because they were financially struggling. They're in that position because the area that they had to draw upon for local juniors was shrinking, and so they knew that they had to go to a new area in order to stay being competitive. Because they weren't finishing last or anything like that. They got the spoon in '94, but after that, they were constantly hanging around. You know. We laugh about it now. The middle part of the table, 
Mm. They barely missed the finals a few times, but the difference was they did not have a team full of um, overpaid players or superstars. They were all local players who busted their ass for that side, and they overachieved immensely more mm-hmm. often than not. Mm-hmm. But they still lacked that talent to go and be that better side, and they, they lacked the draw to get people to come there, you know, the elite players. So the area that they were looking to move to before the Super League war came along, and especially before it ended, was they were going to move to Melbourne. Yeah, I'm trying to, it barely registers in my head that they were in talks with someone. It was going to be Melbourne, and the idea was that there, I believe, and I'll have to be corrected on this, there was going to be some sort of um, joint um, ownership sort of deal with the Melbourne Tigers basketball team. Okay. So you obviously you'd have Melbourne Tigers and a rugby league team and basketball team, and it'd be all fine. And it was going to be some sort of unique deal like that. That's the sort of stuff that, uh, you know, out-of-the-box stuff that was being looked at. And, look, there was an awful lot of weird suggestions like that going around for a lot of clubs at that time. Mm -hmm. Um, So that wasn't actually that far extreme. But that was where they were looking, which, I don't know, maybe that explains why they they spent two years trialling that stupid fucking purple stripe on their jumper. (laughs) And, look, don't, don't get me wrong. The 18th team, if they announced it in the MacArthur region, I would go absolutely off my head. But it's just a thought experiment. Would that would a brand new team down there do better than the West Tigers have with that area? Of course, and I think, of course. Un, yeah, undoubtedly. West Tigers have done no genuine hard work mm. to maximise what they've got out there. Yeah, and I've I, seen I look, the Roosters trying to tap into that market and having more success. Yeah, and, and look, I, I looked at the crowd on on Friday, and I know it's a bit of a funny time, and not great to get down the motorway if you don't live down in Campbelltown. Uh, the, the lineup to get into the Campbelltown area sucks, but um, it, I, I called bigger crowds in the New South Wales Cup at that stadium, and they just, they just don't care. I, I think it's in, it's crazy. That it is stadium crazy. is in. Let's be honest, it's in a good spot because there is a train station right next door, mm-hmm. so you don't need to worry about parking. You can just get on the train and get there. I know it's a long journey, but I mean it's a long journey by car. Yeah, you know. So to have a train station nearby, that's a huge bonus. Why? I know I've said this before, and I'm, I'm sick of repeating myself on this. <laughs> they need to stop doing this bullshit where they play at three different fucking venues because yeah. they will never get the right amount of funding they need to upgrade any of their stadiums so long as they're wandering around every fucking where. No government, Labor, Liberal, doesn't matter who it is, are going to sit there and say, right, we can justify bumping millions of dollars into either Leichhardt or Campbelltown because the West Tigers are going to play three games there every year. Mm-hmm. Fuck off. They're not going to do it. Go there. Play. They need to be. They need to pick one of those two grounds. Campbelltown's the obvious one. The Tigers will probably pick Leichhardt because they're idiots. Yep. But 10 games at Campbelltown every year, they can play one one game at Leichhardt and one game in the city somewhere if, it, if you want. You know, but that's what they've got to do. Make a base in Campbelltown. Just fucking do it. Mm-hmm. Oh, sick as a stupid dickhead. Anyway. Anyway, let's let's move on to the other expansion clubs you had. Yeah. Right. So there's obviously a lot of talk about having teams, um, you know, in areas where we've been before. So Perth mm-hmm. and the big bonus thing for Perth, as I touched on before with um, the North Sydney one, is it's a different time slot. Yeah. That's great. They have got a 60,000-seat stadium. 
or 65,000 yeah. seat stadium. Fucking perfect. They've also got a, a nice rectangular stadium there yeah. too. It could it could use a couple of upgrades, but it's a really nice base to start with. Yep, and they can tap into new lucrative sponsorship markets, like especially mining. Mm-hmm. Um, opens the door to a whole new wave of, of fans to watch the game because at the moment they're just inundated with AFL. Mm-hmm. So to give them an NRL team, brilliant, more eyes on the game. Who'd say no to that? Um, so there's no reason why it can't work. But you know that the dinosaurs in the media who poo-pooed this idea before because the nines were played in the summer, mm. oh, the crowds are poor, or we can't go there, is, oh, it's too far to travel. And I'm sorry, but that argument's not going to fly anymore. Would you, you can have Melbourne travel to Townsville or any team going to Auckland. Exactly. Sorry, but flying to Perth is not an issue anymore. The trip from Townsville to Auckland is a, not a, a small one either. No. And the other thing is, the, the other funny argument you hear is like, well, how will they attract players over there? It's like, well, I can think of 10 million reasons why they would get players over there. Players are professional rugby league players and they'll go where the money is. Um, so well, that's not a problem either. They might be able to get one of their own players to go over there in Caelan Ponga. Yeah. Look, well, that, look, that's the other thing. They... The the Perth Rugby League uh, scene has produced NRL players with no NRL team. So, like, it, it's yeah. ready made. It's ready to go right now. Um, so my personal preference is Perth, and I think that for all the reasons you've suggested, but the, the thing that really gets me over the line is that that 6 p.m. game that we have grown accustomed to watching on a Sunday evening that is a Sunday afternoon game in Perth, and that's just perfect. Like the more Sunday afternoon football, which is the easiest football to, for everyone to get to, the better. And so to have that game being on at 6 p.m. in the eastern states, and yet it's still Sunday afternoon football in Perth, it's just it's a home run. It's perfect. Yeah. Perfect. And that's the thing is that right now it's going to be TV networks that decide what goes on. And that's an absolute massive bonus, mm-hmm. especially when you can get a whole heap of new eyes. And it's, a, you know, you're going to a whole state. You're not going to some tiny little regional part between Newcastle and Sydney. You're not going to another suburb of Brisbane. You're in a whole new state. And you can pick up a whole heap of people and make them regular viewers and make them watch the game, watch them every game, not just their team play, but every game and get diehard fans. Next thing you know, bigger audience. Sponsorship dollars start rolling in for these TV networks. They come in for the NRL as well. It's a massive win for everyone. Um, it's a very logical decision to make. And, and they they've got they've got the whole junior network set up as well as you as you've mentioned. Yeah, and they've got to be called the Quokkas. Absolutely, most adorable animal in the world. Exactly. Give it a knife. Yeah. Um, the next one is a second New Zealand team, mm-hmm. and for almost the same reason of having a Perth team you have with New Zealand that is different time zone. Obviously, it's flipped the other way. Um, but it's more about where you would have it. So um, there had been some talk about having it in the South Island. The risk you've got there, though, is the South Island is immensely passionate about rugby union and it may struggle to get a foothold and get any attention and, and be a draw, and that's a big problem. Um, the smarter and safer option and the better chance of success is to have a team based 
um, either in Hamilton or Wellington. The risk with Hamilton is you might be a little bit too close to Auckland. I know they're not that close, mm-hmm. but um, you know you don't want to be ta- trying. You don't want to be trying to tap into the the market that Auckland that the Warriors are based in Auckland and what they've got going on there. Um, but if you go with Wellington, you might be able to just say, you know what, we'll take the whole southern part of the Northern Island. That's a pretty big area to draw upon, and they can still tap into the Pacific Islands in the area there. And if they can set up a better pathway system than the Warriors have, especially with the Pacific Islands nearby, they should be up on their feet and, and successful in very, very short amount of time. Yeah, I, I tend to think you could. I, I think that you could put in a New Ze- a second New Zealand team next year. Like, I think it would be that quick to do. I looked into this a little bit because I, I'm very big on you've got to have the facility that people want to go to and watch games at. And I know that, uh, Christchurch is looking to build a brand new indoor stadium that's around about 30,000. Uh, and I would, I think if the NRL went to the Christchurch, uh, government and said, look, we will put a game here, we will put a team here, but we need that commitment for a stadium. I think it would all go ahead because then they would finally have the, a venue that would be used all the time. Um, I think that Wellington Stadium is not ideal for rugby league. It's it's not a rectangle, and that's a problem. And I think that rugby league needs to start making sure it's got facilities that are ideal for the game, especially at the highest level. We went without that for so long. And then when you've seen it happen where you've got the storm playing in a beautiful stadium, Townsville, Brisbane, you know, all of these places, that stadium at Parramatta, when you get that facility in place, everything else becomes so much easier and everything becomes such a, a big event, no matter who you're playing. So I think that the facility is the key part of everything, and that's why I would probably lean towards Christchurch. Um, but it would need the NRL to really get the ball rolling on that one rather than just the local consortium that would be going for that team. Yeah, it's. I I think at the end though, it doesn't matter really where you put a team in New Zealand. I think so long as you plan to put one there. Yeah, because I don't think the Warriors are really getting the maximum impact they they should be out of the Pacific Islands in New Zealand. I mean, so, you know, most of the best players that have come from the the New Zealand and Pacific Island region are not playing for the Warriors. Yeah, you know what killed them a lot was getting rid of the under-20s comp because yeah. all of those young New Zealand athletes went from, like, saying, hang on a second, I can be on TV every week playing against the best young Australian-based players and really make a career for myself before I even become a proper full-time professional, and that all went away. You know, and, and and the tap basically turned off. And then obviously COVID kicking in didn't help them either. Um, we really need the under-20s comp to come back as soon as possible. Absolutely. So the next one, and this will be the last of the, you know, well, there's only two other countries that have been looked at. So New Zealand was one. The other one is Papua New Guinea. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not going to have an issue there getting fans to follow on because it's the only country in the world where rugby league is a national sport. Yep. And they are fucking crazy mad about it. It's awesome. Um, so the only issue you might have there is 
I say this with a bit of a laugh, but it is pretty serious. It's security at games because mm-hmm. they do go, you know, fucking crazy for it. Um, the National Stadium has had like 40 odd tests there since 1990. Um, but whether it's capable of hosting regular NRL games is another matter. I, I've not, you know, really looked into what the venue's like anymore. I think it has had a recent upgrade, but, um, yeah, we'll need to look into that further to see if, if the venue is up to NRL standards. Um, the only other real concern might be things like um, the humidity. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the upside, and it's a huge one, is you get Papua New Guinea playing in the NRL. And just like we saw with the Warriors when they came in, the having them in the competition helped to improve New Zealand on the on the world stage, and then that kicked on to the Pacific Islands as well, and they all you know slowly come behind them all. Papua New Guinea didn't come along as quickly because they weren't they weren't really linked with this, with the Australian competitions until recently with the mm-hmm. Queensland Cup, mm-hmm. and they weren't you know they're not actually close to New Zealand, so they're not being linked into that lot either. They're kind of just sort of on their own and left to do their own thing. And I think if we tap into them now, especially after the success they've had recently, you know, you know smashing Great Britain a few years ago was brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, tap into that, get them a team in the NRL. They will very quickly get the quality of their game up to, you know, the standard of everybody else, the Pacific nation. Um, and, yeah, that's only good on the world stage. And that would make the international game better and also make the NRL better because you're going to have an entire nation of talent just wanting to come and play NRL and they'll yep. have an avenue to do that through the extra, through the local team. Exactly. And look, I think you could probably take the hunters and put them into the NRL and they would struggle at first, but they'd get there eventually. Um, and you'd only need to draw on a few NRL players to help them out. Yeah. Like they will, they will have just local talent, just, you know, basically the test team will be lined up to play for them. Yeah. The only thing I think is that, because that it'd be a heavily subsidised team, whether it be through their sponsorship deals or through the NRL itself, because the the local corporate base in Port Moresby wouldn't really get the job done. But would it matter if you get mining companies that are based there behind it? But then you you kind of need them to stick around, and are they going to stick around sponsoring the team? It, it's a lot to hope for the only thing that really concerns me is i don't know that you're going to get too many players deciding to move to port moresby because there are uh, security concerns would the team have to be maybe based in somewhere like cairns and it's a fly in fly out team where they go and play their home games at port moresby and then they, they basically go home the next day or even the same day I don't know. It's a lot of logistics, you know. Even the PNG players could stay in Papua New Guinea and just the 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 players who come from, you know, other nations can stay at Cairns perhaps. Maybe that, but that could you, be workable. But, but then um, you're splitting your team up, you know. It, it's it's not the ideal way to run a team. Well no. But you know, it I think players would be going to Papua New Guinea knowing that was a situation. Unless they can get a you know, secured housing or something like that close to the venue. Yeah, I don't know how, like, all I know is that the security situation in PNG is not great 
and I've heard that from a lot of people that have travelled there. Um, I know that when the rugby league teams go there, they don't have too many real issues in that regard because they always get an amazingly warm welcome and things like that. But uh, it just thinking long term, it's something that puts them behind the eight ball compared to other no, big it's teams. Security is easy, man. All they need is a couple of those white plastic chairs from Bunnings and mm-hmm. some blokes to sit on them with their backs turned to everybody else. Well, that does tend to keep back massive crowds of people. Immensely. Mm. That'll be fine. Mm. Um, so moving on from there, the only other teams really that would be in contention are going to be basically Queensland-based. So we've well, heard so, about... So no no Adelaide. Well, that's the thing. I'm, I'm not sure. Well, I don't, don't think Adelaide's really made much of a noise about coming back into the game again. Mm-hmm. But, and I don't think there's been that much consideration for an Adelaide Adelaide side again either. So I, I left them out because Adelaide themselves didn't seem that vocal about having a team. And I figure if the, if the local community's not making that much noise about it and they're not really that interested, why bother? Because they're not going to support it anyway. You know, I remember talking to somebody once that was not a rugby league fan whatsoever. Like we weren't talking about rugby league at the time. This is going back like 15 years. And I remember once I asked them, hey, can I can I ask you a question? Do you remember a rugby league team called the Adelaide Rams? And they were like, oh, yeah, I do, I do. And it's like, tell me what your experience was for them. And they said it was really interesting. They were there. People turned up to the games. It was different. It was new. It was exciting. And then they were gone. And I was like, do you know why they left? And they said, nope, no idea. They were just completely gone. And I said, would you turn up again if they turned up? And they were like, yeah, I would. I think a lot of people would. But what happened? And to go into why they were just wound up during the end of the Super League war, it, it was just too much to explain to them. Yeah. Um, but I, so I think that Adelaide could work again. And I think, weirdly enough, you'd call them the Rams again because the Adelaide Rams name has kind of, you know, transcended their <laughs> very short experience in the in I, the game. I would absolutely love to have a team in Adelaide again. I think it would definitely work. Mm-hmm. But there's just there just doesn't seem to be any groundswell of movement for them. Yeah, and you have to have that momentum. And yeah. There, there is none. Yeah, And you've got to have that as much for the uh, low-life scumbag sociopaths in the media to talk about it and say, hey, it's Adelaide and there's people there doing this, 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 and that you've got to grease the right wheels, and there's no one really doing that at the moment, unfortunately. No, yeah, Benny White hasn't been there yet. <laughs> um, so one suggestion I think might have come up in past bits was a team in central Queensland, because mm-hmm. um, there is a pretty large stretch that goes from, say, um, Charleville and Longreach across to, say, Rockhampton and the Sunshine Coast. It's a very big strip, but it's provided quite a fair bit of talent, mm-hmm. and it's sort of just outside of the range, I guess, of the Cowboys and the Broncos. It's just a bit too far. And so yeah. having a team in central Queensland kind of seemed like the right idea. Every team was spaced out nicely, and they covered most of Queensland. Um, but I think the introduction of um, the Dolphins on the very northern side of Brisbane is going to see them move into that Sunshine Coast region, which would be the ideal base for a central Queensland team because it's the highest populated area, and they've got a stadium there already. Yeah. Um, and so with that 
probably falling to the Dolphins area. They, a central Queensland team doesn't seem feasible anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other ones are going to be um, like Ipswich. I know that came up pretty late in the um, the last expansion bid. Mm-hmm. The problem they're going to have is pretty much their entire catchment is going to be east of Ipswich, which then sort of falls between the Brisbane and the Gold Coast Titans catchment areas. So they're yeah. going to be kind of sandwiched there. Um, and they'd probably have to play all their games out of Suncorp, which is not close to where Ipswich is. Yeah. Um, so I don't think that's going to work. Um, Brisbane Tigers, that is getting very much into the the southern part of Brisbane pretty much on top of the Broncos. Um, I can't see that working in any, any way possible. And then there's the, the always the, the Brisbane Bombers bit, which will always sit there. And, I mean, they've been close twice now. Mm. Um, and the good thing about them is that they're not tied to an area. So they can move around somewhere if they want. But I think the big detriment to them is the fact we've now got two teams in Brisbane. Yeah, it's going to be hard to, to make the case for a third team. Um, yeah, very hard to make that case, and and you know I get the only way I could see it working out is if you saw the Dolphins decide to go, as you said, to this that Sunshine Coast area, and they were like, look, we're we're a Sunshine Coast team, um, and then you might be able to make a case for the Bombers to be like a northeastern, uh, northwestern sort of west team, but even then, it's it's tough when there's only a certain amount of licenses in the NRL and you're trying to become a properly national game. Yeah, and look, the other problem you're going to have too with having another Brisbane team is you don't want them start starting to cannibalise one another mm-hmm. or effectively struggle to keep up with the other teams and then they just lag behind like the South Queensland Crushers did. Yeah, and all, and, and just out the blocks there, they're poor cousin. Yeah, and they stay there. Yeah. Um, so... I don't think a, a, a Queensland-based side is feasible. Mm-hmm. I think if we're going to do expansion properly, uh, it's going to have to be a team in New Zealand or a team in Perth. Mm-hmm. I think they should be the only two serious options they look at. And Perth seems... Um, I'd probably have Perth as the front-runner, given you've already got a team in New Zealand, so the time zones work out pretty well there. Yep. But that would be that would be where I'd be leaning. Can I suggest a couple of others? Sure, mate. Okay, now, some left field, some weird ones. Feels um, like we've gone back to our first episode. It does a bit, doesn't it? Mm. I've brought this up before. You don't believe it's it's the right thing to do, but Geelong down there in Victoria, um, give the Melbourne Melbourne a second team. It's a big area. It's a big catchment area in terms of the entire Geelong-Melbourne area sort of thing. Um, I've got to ask you, man. Mm-hmm. How many Melbourne-born players has the Storm created? Well, that's a that's a different issue in its own right, and I think that it's about time the Storm were forced to spend money on junior development down in Melbourne. Um, I, and, and we've talked about why they stopped doing that, because of all their salary cap fines. And I think they need to, you know, we, we give shit to the Roosters for not doing it. The Storm at the moment do less than the Roosters, and I think it's about time the Storm... You know, it's all well and good for them to be spending money up in 
Queensland getting players that come down into their first grade side. It's about time they spent some money on actual junior development in Victoria. And I think that if you had a second team down there, it might be a chance to kickstart that process, give the Storm a rival, give the game more of a presence in Melbourne and and generally Victoria. Um, But that is a very, very left field. And I'm thinking probably way down the track on that sort of thing. Uh, I'd I'd probably rather have a team in Tasmania, in all seriousness, than a team in Geelong. Well, for the same reason. That was my next suggestion. You could have Tasmania. Um, Because as much as they are a AFL state, they don't have an AFL team. Yeah. And them and the Northern Territory are two markets that are untapped. And I think the Northern Territory more than Tasmania because there's so many Indigenous kiddies out there in in, um, Northern Territory, supremely gifted in anything they try and play. Mm -hmm. If you put a rugby league team there, boom, they all go play it. Yeah, and then, look, the only thing that I, I, and we've talked about this before, I would want an indoor stadium there, a rectangular one. I don't want a multi-purpose stadium. I don't want an oval. It's got to be rectangular, um, and and they could come in. Um, and then after that, like, I've got to bring up my Honolulu team. I have to. I have to. Ten hours. It's People fine. would go and play for it. But, mate, it's going to be too far to travel. It's too far to travel. Um how are the away fans going to get there? Oh, sorry. Take my, <laughs> take my English hat off. <laughs> it would be easy to get players there. You, I can tell you what the temperature will be. It'll be about 26, 27 degrees every single day, no matter if it was winter or summer. And uh, I think it would be a, a really cool stepping stone towards the west coast of uh, America. Would they have um, to do something similar to what the... Um, Toronto Wolfpack were considering, and I think they may have even did it for one or two seasons, where they played all their away games in the first half of the season, all the home games after that, just to try and cut down on travel costs for the team. For the team. So they based themselves, I think Toronto based themselves in England for the first half of the season or something like that, and they played mm-hmm. all their away games, and they went back home and played all their home games there. I Look, the, the flights to, to and from Honolulu were pretty cheap. Like, if I was going to fly overseas right now on an overseas holiday, that would be the first place I would go because it is cheap. So I don't think that it is too much more than going to New Zealand, to be honest with you. What is, I mean, as I said before, what is in the NRLC, you know what? Qantas, how's about we will let you, you know, be the official sponsor of something in the NRL at a very reduced price? So you'll have naming rights and your logos and shit like that. And in return, you give us and all of our clubs free travel to and from games. That's it. Just to and from games. Not everywhere else, not holidays, you know, to and from games. Take that cost out of the equation. How about this? What if the NRL just bought a private jet? Is one enough? I, I guess it depends how big that jet is. It's more, like I, what if, haven't they got like, won't they have like 18 teams to move around everywhere? But just say they've got a private jet. And look, I know that there's NRL teams right now that charter flights, right? So we're in that realm already where you can charter flights. If the NRL decided that it was cheaper to own a jet that it used to go to and from Honolulu, for instance, um, it might be a cheaper option. It might be just a cheaper option for the NRL to hire a jet to to and from instead of using the the carrier services. 
that way they can you you know you can have it going when the team needs it to go and it just goes to and from you know it, the the teams are already using charter services why not use it for honolulu it's not a bad idea yeah i mean it's we we've got a billion dollar game now yeah it's well, Should be looking at this shit already just to try and cut down the cost of teams in the, with the current travelling that we've got to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anywhere else you think we could we should be looking at? Not really. Japan is too expensive. Flights are just way too expensive. Um, I, I can't think of anywhere else. You know, South Africa as a country is a mess, mess anyway. So you're not going to get anyone going to South Africa to play. Um, I really can't think of anywhere else. I, th- I think that um, you could look at having a team in London, but then, I mean, the, the travel expenses for that are pretty expensive as well. Um, My word, they are. So uh, I can't really think of anywhere else, to be honest. I was actually, when I was watching the Panthers play on the weekend, and they get pretty good crowds at Bathurst, and I was thinking... You know, if you had a, a countryside and you placed it at Bathurst, it would have to be heavily subsidised. You'd get all right crowds to it, and it's going to help, you know, have something for, you know, country-based footballers to go straight to. Um, but it's, it, once again, it's heavily, heavily subsidised by the rest well, of the competition. I think the only really feasible area for a country-based country based team is going to be in... That Albury, um, Albury Riverina region, because you've got Wagga, Albury, Wodonga, all in reasonably close, you know, distance to one another, mm-hmm. and both with a lot of rugby league players around, and they can tap into the whole Ovens Murray region. You know, the Riverina is massive; it's produced a lot of great players, and you can even go into the northern part of Victoria as well. Um, not that there's a huge amount there. The only problem you might have is it might piss off the Raiders, but, you know, most of their recruitment comes from Northern England, so they may not say anything anyway. And, look, if the Raiders don't like it, they should do something about it. Yeah. You know, if the, Ra- the Raiders and Storm should be playing in that in the, each other in that area every single year. Yeah. And, and otherwise, they can shut up. Exactly. But that would be the, you know, I think Albury would be the perfect location for something like that because it's far enough away from Canberra, but it's close to that Wagga region. You tap into the whole area there, that'd be it'd be perfect. Mm-hmm. There we go. Yeah, we've just pretty much summarised our first episode for you. <laughs> yeah, we've. Uh, the funny thing is, we've summarised it pretty lightly compared to some of the other discussions we've had on expansion. Exactly. Um, <laughs> so, what else is there to chat about? Well, we had a, a a tweet, and I'll just bring it back up, and it was from Alex Halos. I hope I'm saying your name right. You clearly are. And it was <laughs> it, it was to our Fergo Freak Pod Twitter account, and he said, "Chuck in a bit about how we could make an Aussie Challenge Cup style tournament work." Was great seeing the Super League club playing in in Cumbria. Um, there was a game. The, the Challenge Cup is going over in in Super League. So if it was going to happen, first of all, we'd have to clear out some dates to play. Australian Challenge Cup games in. Well, we used have to have a Challenge Cup played in Australia. Yeah, we did, and it went the way of the dodo because it kind of just fell off the map. I think 
think ultimately what happened was um, obviously it was a preseason competition mostly, mm. um, and especially when they first started, it was only with the NRL teams. No one else was involved in it. It was a preseason competition. It was played in four quarters, and they played it all around in regional areas mostly. I think the final was played usually at Parramatta or or Wollongong or something like that, mm-hmm. um, or Newcastle. But I think it might have just been a casualty of the Super League war. Just the ARL decided to just cut it back to save on money and stuff like that. Because the last one was in 95. But uh, mm-hmm. when they started in 1978, mm-hmm. I think it had... No, it didn't. I thought it had a lot more teams involved. That was actually probably quite small. So there's another knockout we had going on, which had a ton of teams in it. I'm trying to figure out which one that was now. We talked about it. Uh it wasn't it wasn't the Sydney Cup. It was um, ah, uh, might have been the um, the Panasonic Cup, which was the Amco Cup before. It. Yeah, looks like the, it, yeah, it was. The thing is, how would you do it now? Because you would have to. I, I think one thing you could do maybe is have have the final end say in the second week of the NRL finals, but the teams that qualified from NRL level were maybe teams like nine and 10 and they went straight to the semifinals of the competition. I think that's what you'd have to do is you'd you'd have the teams who didn't make the finals going to the challenge cup. Mm. Um, But then again, it's, the problem, this is the problem you've got with the English version of it is it is tiered. So all your amateur teams play first mm-hmm. and they pretty much eliminate themselves. And if there's any left over, they get knocked out by the semi-pro teams. All the semi-pro teams then get knocked out by the bottom tier pro teams. And then all the Super League teams come in and they would just play against one another at the end. So essentially, it's just a knockout comp between Super League clubs and all the rest before it is just, you know, why bother? So I think if you're going to have a genuine knockout competition, everyone's in round one. It would have to be that way, yeah. Because and the the problem there's a bunch of problems with the Challenge Cup as it is right now, and one of the big problems is you know when you step up to that next level against your next opponent, you normally get whipped. There's yeah. very few lower grade teams get through to any sort of level. And when they do, they eventually run into somebody that just runs straight through them, and it's it's full on a smash fest. I wonder um, if you could have it in pools then. So mm-hmm. round one, all the NRL teams play one another, mm-hmm. and they keep playing each other until they get down to one team at the end, mm-hmm. or zero teams if that happens to be. But the idea is you whittle them all down. They only play each other until they get down to whatever's left over, and then you've got the next division, which would be New South Wales Cup and Queensland Cup. They all play each other until mm-hmm. they get it all whittled down to whatever's at the end. And the next division below that and amateurs, if there's that as well, or invitational sides even. And we so get down so you've got four key groups and they're all yeah. similarly based and they all will themselves down to the last four of each one and then you have two semifinals and a final. What I would like to see happen is New South Wales and Queensland Cup teams Obviously not the winners of those competitions because the winners of those competitions play one another on grand final day, NRL grand final day. But say the the grand final losers of those competitions and then the ninth placed NRL side flies over to England 
and inserts themselves into the Challenge Cup competition at some level and turn the English Challenge Cup into something bigger and better with more interest from the biggest rugby league area in the world, which is Australia. The problem is the Challenge Cup is not the thing that needs revamping in England. That's That's the one thing that everyone still follows and absolutely loves over there and supports like crazy. But even though they, it's a flawed system, they still the, go nuts over it. Do they though? Like the they, crowds, com, a lot of com, the Challenge Cup crowds yeah, suck compared to the Super League. Yeah, they do. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I think because that, especially those um, semi-pro teams in Championship, like especially the teams that are in the top three or four, there they go on. We if we draw like two of the poor teams in Super League, we are into the semi-finals. It happened, didn't it? Happen a few years ago. Was it oh, yeah. Bradford? Bradford made it through to the semis. I can't remember who it was, but I I, I feel we like watched it wasn't it. that many years ago. I'm pretty sure we watched it. I'm pretty sure Bradford were playing someone. Can't remember now, but yeah, Bat- wasn't it Batley? It might have been. I think it was Batley. I'm gonna have to look this up. Yeah, because I think they were in, from memory. They were in blue. Uh, I'm gonna try and remember the year now. Yeah, it would have been twenty. It wasn't. Was it, I don't think it was last year. I feel like it was the year before. I feel like it might have been Bradley. I thought it was Bradford. I thought I saw. Um, yeah, Bradford played Halifax. Oh, it might maybe it was Halifax then. Halifax beat Bradford twenty to sixteen at Oddsall. I'm pretty sure that's the game we saw. Because the following week, Halifax then had to play St Helens for a spot in the final. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was it. So, uh, but uh, let me ask you this. If the West Tigers from the last eight years finishing ninth place in the NRL <laughs> went into the quarterfinal stage of the Challenge Cup, wouldn't you be excited about that? Um, a bit. Okay. Would you watch it? Yes. Okay, I would watch it. I would be pretty interested to see how that played out. Because I reckon they would get to the final and then choke. (laughs) (laughs) Is that possibility? (laughs) That's not a possibility. I'm talking facts. (laughs) But just say the West Tigers did do that. Can you imagine the West Tigers playing at uh, Wembley Stadium? That would be pretty cool. It would be cool. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's um. I know. I know you've had this discussion before. Mm-hmm. I'm not opposed to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's um. I'm. I don't know. I think. I think if you don't have a, a challenge cup, I'd like to see it done properly. And as I said, like every team just goes in in round one, and you just go from there. And I think the attitude in Australia towards those sort of things died out in about 1986. Yeah. And they tried bringing them back. And, like, the Challenge Cup they brought back from 1990 to 95 was basically just pre-season trials. Yeah. Because um, it was a knockout competition. So basically everyone played two or three games anyway. It was just trials. And they tried to put a bit of meaning behind it and a little bit of prize money in the end. Um, but it wasn't anything fantastic or anything like that. There are a couple of the other issues you would run into as well with, say, NRL teams playing against, say, country rugby league sides. 
number one, the, the, whether the grounds were up to it or not. And, you know, a lot of grounds, there are real specifications that you've got to have to play NRL games. And there's, it's things like lighting and, you know, just, you know, drainage. There's all sorts of stuff. You've got to have the, the facilities out the back, the medical facilities and stuff that, you know, teams want their players looked after. And, and so they, they like to have those things in place. I think the other thing is too, like, and it, this goes both ways, having professional players play against, you know, part-timers and amateur players, you could see some people get really hurt by that. Similarly, you can also see situations where, you know, some guy decides they're going to tear the head off of, say, DCE because yes. they just don't like him. And I, the, think, I think that's a bigger issue is some yeah. rough guts fucking country blokes going to say, I'll show these bloody posh latte sipping bloody city blokes how we play the fucking game. Yeah, and it's it's <laughs> not even rugby league at that point. It's <laughs> like, I'm just going to watch, I'm going to be the dude that smashed t- DCE. It'll just be bringing back the Clayton Cup and fuck, that's awesome. Yeah. See, I'm all in on that. Bring that see, back. <laughs> my my version of what I would like to see for the Challenge Cup would be my my version of the World Club Challenge, which would be a knockout competition that would be played after the season and involve different teams from around the world. I think that that would be my version of it that would fill that gap in. But that's that's ambitious and and rugby league sometimes isn't ambitious. But I I also think that to need to put together a competition like the Challenge Cup in Australia, you need to have the same emphasis that we talked about for the uh, Adelaide NRL team. You've got to have someone pushing it. You've got to have a, a momentum behind it. And I think similarly, similarly that we didn't see that happen with the city versus country game where there were some people that wanted it, but not enough. I think it's the same thing for a Challenge Cup in the NRL, unfortunately. No, I fully agree with you there. Um, as I said, like that, that whole passion for having a, uh, a knockout competition, it just doesn't exist in Australia anymore. Mm. Uh, cause you know, the first, the first complaint you'll get is the one that I think Phil Gould raised when we had the, we started trying to do the nines was, well, what if someone gets injured? Yeah. It's, it's all the same. Yeah. And then it's like you somebody. I mean, the easy response to that is don't play all your stars and take it as an opportunity to, to blood some juniors and bring some new talent through and see if they're good. Mm. That's what it should be for anyway. Yeah, and it's it's a weird moment in rugby league where I think that a lot of the dinosaurs are disappearing, and, but we've still got enough of them around, unfortunately. And and we've got some of the dinosaurs like uh, sicker fans that still, you know, they sit around and they'll say, oh, yeah, I agree with my boss, you know. So eventually all those people will be gone and it'll be people that will be coming into those those positions where they can talk about the game to a big audience or they're in the administration and they say, hey, why don't we try something different? Why don't we try something a bit out of the box? And it's going to be interesting to see where the game ends up when those things start to happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, what else have we got to chat about? We've nailed that. Oh, yeah. We're, we're really good at doing this podcast and thing, hey? We should start our own. We should. Uh, I don't know it's going to have longevity, though. We'll be good for three or four episodes. Okay. Um, yeah, it's – look, I really enjoyed the ga- games on the weekend. A um, couple of things that stood out for me. The Rabbitohs – remember I said in the preview 
the Rabbitohs had to show me something. They mm-hmm. showed me something. I was really impressed with them. And Latrell Mitchell, he's always threatened. And in that game against the Roosters, he was a destroyer of worlds. Now, the only play that I could honestly say was a destroyer of worlds when he decided to be was Greg Inglis, where when Greg Inglis decided that he was going to destroy you, there was nothing that anybody on planet Earth could do. He was going to destroy her, and that was it. I think Latrell Mitchell might be there. He's probably less consistent at doing that than Greg Inglis was. But damn, he can do that stuff. And people don't realize how massive Latrell Mitchell is, by the way. Well, that's true. Um, I want to say, too, how impressive the Sharks were. Because mm-hmm. they played in atrocious conditions. And albeit it was against the Dragons, but it was a Dragons side that was it's been pretty determined and playing pretty well these, like, these first two weeks. And they put on 30-odd points in that weather. Um, and they were playing dry weather footy. And they were making it work. Uh, I I don't know. I I think they're a smoky. Really? I think they're a smoky. Well, I'll say, I think they're a smoky for the top six. Okay. I, and I think yeah. that they could cause some headaches to a lot of teams in the finals. I'm not, saying, I'm not saying they're going to get to the grand final. I think they will cause some headaches. Mm-hmm. I don't think teams are taking them seriously enough. They've got they're a very a- good mix of players across the field, and they... The game plan is surprisingly working well and earlier than I thought it would. Yeah, I was about to say that. They're ahead of where I thought that they were going to end up. I didn't have them making the finals. I think they'll definitely make the finals this year, looking at how they're playing now. Um, and uh, one one good thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something good about the Tigers, all right? Okay. Okay. Stafford Toa. You come into this side... Um, because there'd been an injury, I believe, mm-hmm. played on the wing. And I posted this stat on, on Twitter, and that is the number of line breaks in the West Tigers v. Warriors game. Okay, I'm going through the top, the top three. Mm-hmm. Number one, Stafford Toa had 10 tackle breaks. Number two, the Warriors had 10 tackle breaks. <laughs> number three, Oliver Gilder had four, which means the left edge backs for the West Tigers had 14 tackle breaks between them. That is phenomenal. Okay. And this is where things go negative, and that is the Tigers were too stupid to realize they were, making, they were carving up out there. They didn't go over there all the time. Mm-hmm. That's the frustrating part. But they've got those game breakers, those people who can do that, and they dominated that side. And Toa was phenomenal. Um, I don't see how anyone can take him out of that side now. You know who I was pretty... Uh happy with how we went with these opportunity. I'm just bringing up his name, uh, team lists, just going to the West Tigers versus Warriors game. And do you reckon the team lists want to come up? No. Uh, here we go. The uh, Jock Madden. Yes. A- and he, once again, was playing around Luke Brooks, who was just fucking a mute once again. Um, I thought he played pretty well considering he was in a side that was playing like dump um, and that was getting um, Jacob Little gave them nothing out of dummy half. It was kind of shocking. Um, And the Warriors played some dumb footy and still managed to win. It was just, it was one of those games you want to forget, you know? Yeah. Uh, Madden is is legit um, talent at half. And that, that needs to, uh, that needs to be something that the Tigers look at more often and, and, 
try and keep him in there somewhere. Um, he is very, very good. There's no doubt about it. Um, so in the uh, Panthers game, Panthers versus Knights game, Knights played tough. They went down a man when Mitch Barnett did that stupid running past a player that was nowhere near a ball, cocks his elbow, knocks him out, and gets sent off. He's been sent straight to the judiciary. They haven't even given him a grade. They think he's going to be gone for a long time because it was just a deliberate, stupid act, like just the stupidity alone. You know, he's going to be out for two months for that alone. But just a stupid, deliberate act to do nothing but hurt an opponent by hitting him in the head. It's like ticks all the boxes of what the NRL wants to get rid of. So he's in trouble. But outside of that, the Knights played tough. The Panthers did what they had to do. The scoreline flattered the Panthers. But I've got to say, uh, Taylor May and Isaac Toke, Tago, Tago, sorry. Yeah. Oh, damn. It's like yeah. you, you, you're watching it and you're like, oh, the Panthers, you know, how are they going for outside backs? And these two are linking up and it's like, Holy shit. If you've got these two on one side and Crichton and Toto on the other side, it's unfair. It's completely unfair. It's nuts. Yeah. And, and just like, it's that junior base. That's why you don't pay for, for big name players to come into this Panther side unless it is a blue chipper because these dudes, they just, they come out of the junior system and you're like, oh, do, how is our outside back depth though? Cause we've lost Burton and we've, Last this and it's like ah oh, these two are these two could be really special. Yeah, just slot them straight in. Yeah, it was crazy. It was really crazy. And uh, Cleary back this week against Souths, which will be a huge game. The other thing, uh, that Melbourne versus Parramatta Eels game was outrageous, and the way it ended with Ray Stone giving his knee for victory. <laughs> uh that was outrageous. Insane. Um, so that was cool. Interesting that the Eels have a little bit of the wood over the storm, not when it matters, but in the regular season anyway. Yeah. It, I don't know. The Eels, I think, the Eels are one of those weird teams. Like, they when, they when their attack clicks, you know no one can beat them. But sometimes they just turn out and trot out the most pedestrian of attacks, which anyone can beat. And you go... How can you be like this? It's frustrating to watch. Um, the Storm's defence is one issue that's not been talked about enough. They're leaking points a bit too easily. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something that, I don't know, maybe a better rugby league commentator might pick up on it during the week. Won't hold my breath, though. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll have to cover that one. Um, the Storm... Uh, it's, I don't like saying it, but the Storm do look a little bit shaky compared to what we were used to from the Storm, and that's fine. Like, they're still at the pointy end of the ladder. They're still going to be one of the top four teams. They're going to be fine, but they're probably not where you'd want to see them right now. And that loss to the Eels was a little bit of a shock, but, you know, next week they'll be fine. Uh, yeah. The other game, the Titans... They start belting the Raiders in that first half, and I'm looking at it, I'm thinking, I'm a genius. I tip the Titans, and then in the second half, the Raiders just roar back into it. And Ricky Stewart, I don't know what he said at halftime, but it worked, and the Titans stopped playing. 
and it was a bad loss for the Titans. It was a pretty good win by the Raiders. It's a game of two halves. It really was. <clears throat> it was like there was one half of it, and then there was another half of it. Yeah. Um, that was a really interesting. I, I thought all the games were interesting. And you know what we've seen so far this year is that cut the West Tigers out of it because they're fucking garbage. And then you've got the Warriors who I'm not even they're, – they're, I'm not rating them. I, I would put no blame on them. I will say nothing negative because they're in a no-win situation. But I think everyone from the Panthers down to those two teams, I feel like we might be in a situation where they can beat each other on any given weekend from what we've seen because you look at what you you would perceive to have been a poor team in the the Cowboys put on a great performance this weekend against the the Broncos. The Dragons put on a great performance against the Panthers last weekend. The Knights put on great performances in the last two weeks. It is just unpredictable, and the footy's great, and there's so much happening, and it's brilliant. Yeah, so essentially at the end of the day, the other games didn't really matter. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Who cares? Um... No, it was, it was a good round of footy. I think we're, too, we're starting to see, too, that the the games are um, getting better in quality. This mm-hmm. time last year, they were atrocious. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's a good thing. doesn't mean the rules are good, but, you know, they're slightly less worse than last year, but not by much. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it for this episode. Um Make sure you check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Virgo Freak Pod. We're also on LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, MySpace. If anyone knows how to use MySpace, get in touch and, um, you know, make our MySpace page work. And I don't know what it's for. I think maybe it's for plumbers. Who cares? Um, well, I, I just feel like that uh, Justin Timberlake's involved in some way with MySpace. He's got to be. I'm sure he bought into it or something years ago. Someone, someone has surely someone put money into it. It's still there. Yeah, I'm waiting for MySpace to just fold so that you can buy the URL. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. You tried to get me to buy a URL during the week, didn't you? Or was it last week? That was last week. Don't say what it is because it could might buy. I might buy. Something, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I just, I just plant seeds now and walk away. Look at it going. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna that fucking bastard. It sucks because I'll be like, I'll, I'll be chilling and I'll get a message and I'm like, oh, what's this? Oh, 35 bucks just coming out of my bank account because I own some fucking ridiculous bloody website address. You're a website accumulator. I really am. Yeah. Some people buy property. You're just getting websites. Yeah. I'm basically deciding to um, do what was successful in 1996 with website addresses and accumulate them, but I'm doing it now. Yeah. Hey, mate, never too late. Exactly. Sort of. Um, but, uh, yeah, you can also drop us a line uh, via the website. Uh, go onto the contact us section there and you can drop us an email on there or, or what's the better way? The way to do it is directly through your email account. So if you email podcast at com. And uh, that's probably the best way to do it because I know it will directly come to me. I won't be caught by any spam filters or anything like that. And uh, I, I just keep all the emails and I get them ready for the episodes and then we go through them. 
and we uh, talk about what you've emailed. And you can email us anything. E- email us a, like a real personal question about yourself, what you should do, like it's some advice you want. Yeah, we can do that. Yeah, let's start giving out advice to people. I mean, we're both successful in our own right. Uh, I think it's time that we gave advice to the people. Let's share our wealth and our knowledge. Hell yeah. That's what we're here for. We're here for the people. Not the interns, but for the rest of the people. I can tell people how to catch a quick train in Mount Druid, eh, Andrew? (laughs) You can, and have fun in the process. Yeah. (laughs) Take some wet wipes. Oh, how dare you? <laughs> well, you know, COVID's everywhere. It is, it is. You don't want to catch anything. <laughs> That's right. That's right, you don't. Um, so, yeah, there's there's all of that as well. So make sure you get in touch. That would be fantastic. Also, please go to your podcast listening uh, device and give us a five-star rating and leave a review. We'll read those out and put them on the website as well. Yeah, and um, when, when you see that, when you see the podcast episodes go out, retweet the shit out of them. Oh yeah, retweet them, share them, show people, and say, "Look at, listen to this shit." Yeah. Oh my oh, god! Talk, be... What you do is just say to people, "I think they said something about you on this episode." Yeah, that's the way to do it. Yeah, people <laughs> love that. Everyone wants I, to be famous. I used to do that with my website. Hey, I, when I used to go on forums, I used to say, you should see what I fucking said about you on my website. And they'd say, I can't see it. And I'd be like, no, nah, no, nah, you got to go to the photos part. And they'd go like, no, nah, no, nah, it's nothing there. And I'd be like, no, nah, no, nah, not the photos part, the, you know, feature, the articles part. And I'd just get them going through my website. That's right. Click, 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 click. Exactly. That's what it's all about. Money in clicks, baby. Um, yeah, so... Do all of that. That's your homework. Um, there'll be a test at the end of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, if you fail, um, it's going to be bad news. It really will. We're going to destroy you. Um, the other thing is we're going to try and do our preview episodes on the Tuesday night rather than the Wednesday night. So it yeah. doesn't come out Thursday night. It comes out Wednesday. Get that in dears. Yeah, we're doing it early. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's something to look forward to as well. Um Thanks for tuning in, everyone, and we'll make sure that we'll be chatting to you in a day or two's time. Hooroo. Palmer bet with the big don't argue. Punters will love that. Download our app today and enjoy tackle-busting benefits with great odds, more markets, and same-game multi every NRL match at Palmer Bet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858.